0: Good morning, welcome to hope so good to come and, and be able to share God's Word with you a word of encouragement a word of hope I'm so thankful Denise and I are praying for you guys and uh, looking forward to the day that I know that we're all anticipating and uh, and even speculating over and can I tell you something I think it's really important hope to understand this there is so much we don't know right now about what's going to happen over the next few months But I can tell you this the leadership team here at hope we're watching we're listening we're planning for various ways to to bring ministry forth but you know what we're already we're, we're not not doing that right now we're ministering every day and we're hopefully encouraging you you're encouraging neighbors and uh, we're reaching out to our community and we're just so blessed that God gave us an opportunity to be placed strategically in our community for a time such as this and hold out the words of life and hope to those who so desperately need our God. So thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your encouragement, your hope. It doesn't seem like it goes a day without I get a phone call or text from one of you guys just checking in, and it just means so much. And uh, as we all walk through this together as families, you know, we've been talking about making the best use of this time of understanding that God would have us examine ourselves in a, in a time where we're set apart and ask some questions that are very important to our lives. Questions like, what, what, is, uh, what is needed to change as I walk into this new season in my life? What, what needs to come with me, but also what needs to be left behind, whether it's attitudes or whether it's outlooks, uh, whether it's past hurts still having an impact on our lives. And so we've been looking into this Old Testament story in the book of Nehemiah into how God works through the power of his Holy Spirit to restore and to renew those who put their hope in him. And I encourage you to not just take this as a history lesson and not just to bring it in as a message, but really to dig into it and to let the Holy Spirit work in our lives and examine ourselves and truly see ourselves rebuilt into the image that God has for us before sin came in and marred such a beautiful creation. So I invite you tonight, today, to enter in with me to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 2 is where we're going to be focusing tonight. We're in the third week of this series that's all about God's desire. His desire to rebuild us and to restore us. And the fact that when Jesus Christ died for us to bring us into relationship with our Lord. And he rose again on the third day, giving us that that victory over the things we fear in this life and the promise of eternity. Then God sent the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, into the life of every believer for the purpose of leading us into becoming, into becoming what he meant for us to be and intended for us to be before sin came in and destroyed so much in our lives. And So tonight I want us to focus on what God is doing in us and to focus on his ability to restore us and to rebuild us because there are things that I think every one of us can, can see, things that God wants to, to heal and restore in our lives, things like deep hurts uh, from our past, emotional scars that are just very real. Things we've experienced in this journey on the earth, lingering doubts or, or fear or even lack of trust because of past experience. I believe God wants to rebuild and restore uh, us to a point where we overcome things like fear and lust and, and lack of self-control and bitterness because God wants not only relationship with us, he wants us to experience rulership on this earth as he intended and gave to the original Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God wants to restore our minds. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing to have our minds restored, renewed, as the word says, where our thoughts would align with God's word and not let the pollution of the thoughts of this world come and and lead us astray. He wants to restore our bodies, the, the residues of sin, the effects of sin in our lives. And especially he wants our spirit to be renewed. So I encourage you today to just open your heart and let these words speak to you because God never called us to settle. He never called us to get used to, well, that's just the way it is. Just, just buck up and, and soldier on and someday you get heaven, that's your promise. But right now, this is as good as it gets. Can I tell you, that is not what the gospel says. That is not the good news that we find hope in. For the Lord wants us to bring into relationship so that we can walk into rulership together. So the goal of this series is that through the work of the Holy Spirit, we would, number one, we'd get, our, we, we'd get our individual lives together in a way that will practically affect the future, both for our families and for ourselves. That's an important point, because not only does it impact us when God restores us, it literally impacts all those around us, those we love, those we care for, because that new creation becomes evidenced everywhere we are so that's our first goal the second goal would be collectively as a people that we would unite to achieve goals that would forever affect our city our nation and our world that's the mandate God gave us as believers that we would go into all the world bringing this beautiful message of the gospel and showing people what it means to be a disciple a follower of Christ so that their lives will be found solely in him it's interesting this week, uh, before we go into the passage in Nehemiah, I was, I was reading in the book of Acts, and something just stood out to me. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it's a passage of scripture, especially in the upbringing in the church. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. We had a lot of focus on this scripture, but just a little nuanced difference in how I see it in light of the restoring work of the Holy Spirit. Check it out. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, quite often people take that passage and they see it only as God giving us a boldness that that somehow now we're going to speak more or or witness more to those around us. But I, I agree that it does that, but I believe the Holy Spirit also is saying to us, that he enables us to truly become his witnesses because of his rebuilding work. Now our lifestyle reflects God. Now our actions, our emotions, our, our intent, our words begin to reflect the goodness and the glory of God through the work of the Holy Spirit. So the book of Nehemiah, let's pray together and let's dig in today. Nehemiah, Father, we're so thankful. God, in the Old Testament, the stories we read, God, Lord, they're historical, yes, God, but they're also, God, to be a witness to us. Those of us that are on this side of the cross, oh God, that have, that have tasted and seen the goodness of our God through the sacrifice of Jesus and the, the power of his resurrection. And so, Lord, tonight I pray, God, that we would just be ready, God, to, to open our lives to you and allow you to, Lord, just do a work in us that can only be explained by your power, by your might, and by our cooperation. So lead us by your spirit. Let these words be truth to us. Let, be, let them be life. Let us never be the same. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So the book of Nehemiah, in in its historical context, was about the the quest of a man to rebuild Jerusalem, to to rebuild the walls, restore the gates that had been torn down and destroyed through the conquest of, of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, and then the years of neglect that followed. But more than that, the book of Nehemiah shows us a type of the Holy Spirit through the man Nehemiah. It shows us how he comes along beside us to, to help us. He, he comes to lead us and guide us. He comes to, to equip us to fully carry out God's work here on this earth. The, the thought of restoration is a beautiful thought. As I shared last week, In the world, restoration, uh, really, we always think about bringing something back to its original state. But but in the Bible, God has always shown when he restores someone or something, he always brings it to a place that is better than it even was in, in the original. In fact, you see this in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 10, verse 29, the words of Jesus. He said, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Home, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. There's that promise of the more than, the more that God wants to bring through our lives. Last week we talked about engaging in this. We talked about stepping into the restoration process by by learning to, to pray in accordance to God's will. Prayer is so powerful. It's so important to the life of the believer, yet it is so hard for so many to engage in on a consistent, regular basis. But it is the communication that God would have us to have with him through his word, that that we would know him more. It's It's not a way to earn his favor. It's actually a way we learn the nature and character of God, and we come to trust him even more. And we shared that it was very important last week that our attitude of prayer should always begin with worship, that we would honor the King of kings and Lord of lords, not to remind him that he is great, as if he has an ego that needs to be stroked, but it's to build our own confidence as we are reminded that he has abilities that are greater than our inabilities. He is able to do above and beyond what we can ask or imagine. How great is our God? We talked about the, the understanding that when we pray, we must have a heart that's ready to obey. To obey is better than sacrifice. It's not about going out and doing great acts and feats of service, but just simply saying, Lord, show me your will. Show me what you desire in your word, and I will follow. I will obey you. You see, guys, if we don't come with that attitude, our prayers are then powerless. If we just come to to do some religious exercise, but have no heart to say, I will change, I will act on this then we're just kidding ourselves. We're just just mouthing words. We're like the pagans babbling according to Scripture. So it's important that we come with obedience. It is important we come with confession. That as the Holy Spirit places His hand on areas of our lives where sin has impacted us, or where maybe sin is still reigning, that we openly confess that to our God. Because the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's critical that we have that attitude. And then finally, we said it's important we pray the word. Why why is that so critical? Because the word is the very breath of life. The word is, is God working in us and through us. The word of God, he is not a man that he should lie. And the promises he gives us, are powerful and mighty. And we're going to see that tonight in this this understanding of the resources that Nehemiah prayed for. In fact, let's pick up the story of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1, beginning in verse 1 down through verse 10, says this, "...in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before." So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This could be nothing but sadness of the heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad where the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire, the walls torn down, the gates burned up. Then the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, How long will your journey take? And when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. There are four things that Nehemiah asked the king for. It's very interesting how he asked him. He said, when I prayed, I felt God's presence. I felt, I felt in that peaceful place. And he stepped in, and he asked boldly. And he asked him for four things. He asked him for time, number one. This, expen- this expended or extended period of leave from his duties as being the cupbearer to the king. He also asked him for authority to enter into the region, but also authority to carry out the works. He knew there would be resistance. He asked him for resources, for building materials, to actually have what he needed in order to complete the task. Because after all, we, we, when we enter into a task, we have to understand that God will supply what we need for, for that rebuilding. And then finally, even though we didn't ask it, I think it's really neat that the, the king provided troops. He provided escort. He provided security and support in the event of opposition. And what it shows me in Nehemiah's request, and I think this is really key to our understanding of rebuilding and restoration, is that Nehemiah was not approaching this as some kind of hobby. He wasn't asking the king to go off and be a weekend warrior and do something to make him feel good about himself. No, he he set his eyes on the task of rebuilding. And I believe in his heart, he was saying, I will accept nothing less but total restoration i'll accept nothing else but a rebuilding till i see jerusalem being great again can i tell you we have to have that same attitude about the restoration of our lives that we are not gonna just saddle for a little bit or a little taste but we believe god has a fullness that he wants to bring through us by the power of his holy spirit you see as god's creation As his special creation, we have opportunity, but we also have an obligation to accept the responsibility for allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us into a productive use of all the resource God has given us, of all the resource that he has given us to be restored and made new in him. Yet we protest. And in our humanity, we say, oh, well, I would do that if I just had time. I, I just don't have the authority. I don't know how to get a hold of that, or I lack the ability. And it, it, we just don't have the resource. We can come up with every excuse to go back to just saying, it's the way it's always been. It's the way it's always going to be. Church, do not settle for that mindset. For God has more that he wants to bring in you and through you. Why? Because he has a task before us that we be witnesses to this world. But if we spend our whole life just always focusing on what is and always dissatisfied and always caught up in this place or we just have no expectation, can I tell you, we have nothing to offer because we're going to be only focused inwardly and never focused outwardly. It's so critical that we enter into this restoration process. It's interesting to me when you look at the the things that nehemiah requested is that every one of these resources is a creation of god god created time god created the authority we have through his son jesus christ god created everything around us when he asked for timbers wood it's everything we find from god and as god's special creation he's empowered you and i to subdue literally to have dominion over the created order in order for god's glory so all these things that he was asking for, God said we have the power through him to subdue and to make work for us. So when someone says, I don't have time, oh, well, you do. You just need to figure out how to make that time work for you. When we say we don't have the authority, well, then you're not seeing something in God's word because we've been given authority through the name of Jesus. Or if you say, I don't have the resource. Can I tell you, we're praying to the King of kings, the Lord of lords who created all and owns it all and delights and providing for his children so we are free to exercise dominion over these resources and to bring them into a place where now we experience personal and corporate renewal let's look at them individually in this in this message today number one is time number one is time Nehemiah asked later we'll find out as we read through the story he asked for 12 years now it didn't take him 12 years to rebuild the walls we'll see that much much less but he asked for 12 years and I think it's interesting because Rebuilding takes time. We all want instant change. We all want as I've said before, the Shazam moment of well if I can just go to that certain place or be prayed for by that certain person or experience that certain setting, then I'm sure in a moment I'll be restored. But can I tell you in the in the understanding of what God has done for us through the through the death and resurrection of Christ there's one thing that is truly instant, and that is our justification. The moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the moment we accept him as our Savior and Lord, we are changed. The bondage of sin is broken, and we we are made new right in that moment. But then there is this process of sanctification. That's really what we're talking about, where we begin to walk out God's truth. We begin to walk out in his power and be rebuilt and restored into the image and the glory of our God. So rebuilding takes time and so let me caution you early in this don't be in a hurry Because the task that may seem hard the 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 moment in your restoration that may seem difficult that you want to just race by that may be that may be the most critical part of your restoration Take time don't be in a hurry. Let God walk you through it The other thing that's very critical in this is in this time don't compare yourselves with others because we see people differently, like, well, why is it seeming they're going faster? Why does it seem like they've had more of a restoration? Again, we've had all different experiences as we've brought to, to Christ. We've all been made new in Christ. But can I tell you, it takes more time for some than others. And a lot of that comes down to obedience as well. So again, don't compare. That puts you in a bad place instead of trusting God. And we must begin with this and this is the most important of all when you think about it we we have to understand that rebuilding cannot take place without rebirth You must be born again I'm going to say it every week in this series to challenge you not to doubt your salvation But to ask yourself Have you just been brought along with a religious crowd? Maybe you're brought along in a religious family Or have you truly submitted your life to Christ, surrendered your life to Christ? Have you truly experienced salvation to the point where it had just changed everything? You can't wait to tell others about it. You followed through in baptism. Because it's going to tell you, if it's just a religious experience, then you're going to try to rebuild on a foundation that's not even firm. But we are saved. Can I tell you? We stand on a strong foundation. We stand on a strong foundation. 1 Corinthians puts it this way. No one can lay any foundation other than the, one, than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Hear me, you must be born again. Otherwise, you may attempt to rebuild your life without at first experience re- rebirth, and all you're going to experience is frustration because you're building on a shaky foundation that will just not stand. But look what happens at salvation. Can I, just, can I just walk you back through? Some of you for, for some of you, this will be just, oh, it'll be a remembrance. It'll be a glorious time. For others, it'll be fresh revelation. When we are saved, look what happened. All of our sins are forgiven completely. Forgiven completely. They're not forgiven by degree. No, completely all our sins. Hebrews says the sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. God is not up in heaven saying, remember when? Remember what you used to do. No, they are forgiven. Literally, the word says they are thrown as far as from the east as from the west in the memory of our God. We must stand there in that place and say, I am a child of God. I have been forgiven. My sins have been washed away. And now I'm walking as a new creation in Christ. The second thing in salvation is this. We have complete peace with God. We have it established right there. Think about it complete peace. Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we've all been striving for. If you're listening to this and you're far from God, that's honestly what you've been striving for, trying to find peace with God. And yet the moment you put your trust in Jesus, he says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's not a a battle going on anymore. He is not against us. He is for us. What a blessing that is. The word of God says this, and we are saved, that the courts of heaven resound with joy because the sinners come home. Literally all of heaven rejoices. The angels throw the biggest party you can imagine. Why? Because that's the victory. That's the victory. God said, I would that none would perish, but all would come to everlasting life. When we are saved, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Say, why does that matter, Mike? Because we're going to all stand before God on the judgment day. And I'm telling you, there is one place I want my name written. There is one place I really care about seeing my name, and that is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because when the Lord, the judge, sees my name, can I tell you, there's nothing else in my record other than that, you're my child welcome you've been faithful over a few things let me make you ruler over much we have an absolute hope in eternity God promises that. He gives us that through salvation. The gift of God, Romans six twenty three is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And all that is for us. But even now, salvation also brings this. It brings us the promises of Jesus for his daily presence and provision in our lives, which is so critical in this restoration process. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will come and give you life and life abundantly. That's our Lord. He's also committed to to himself, to us, to resist evil. We're going to see through Nehemiah's story. The restoration process, is it's not a cakewalk. Can I tell you, there's a real enemy that seeks to kill, steal, and destroy, but he is defeated in the name of Jesus. We're going to talk a lot about that in a few weeks, but we have to recognize this. If we're going to be in a battle, we need to have God on our side. God is for us. Who can be against us? We are more than conquerors through him. So we begin with that foundation of salvation. You must be born again because the cross was our key to redemption and the resurrection, the key to us receiving this gift of eternal life. Now the Holy Spirit comes. And the, the process of the Holy Spirit working in us takes time. I put it this way, and I, it's in your notes, you're following on you verse and it's so clear what it, about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes as our comforter, the one sent to assist us in our helplessness, to instruct us beyond our ignorance, and to recover us from all our brokenness. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? He's come to, to help us, uh, to, to assist us in our helplessness, instruct us beyond our ignorance, and recover from all our brokenness. That's the Holy Spirit, our Comforter. And his power is promised to us, and his leadership is given to us to move us forward in this new life in Christ. And he comes with all that is required, all that we need to renew us, rebuild us, and to recover our lives. He's God in us. Our goal is to cooperate He gives us time. He gives us power. We must enter in and cooperate. It reminds me of the words of Paul to the church at Philippi when he said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So the first thing we've got to recognize is we need to subdue time. We need to to get our minds wrapped around that and say, you know what? We have all the time we need if we prioritize the restoring work of the Holy Spirit. The second thing he asked for was letters of authority. You see, Persia, as as the setting of the book of Nehemiah, was found, it had 127 provinces, and each one of them was ruled by an individual governor, and they were charged with protecting the emperor's interests and protecting its boundaries. So you can imagine all the myriad of, of customs and fees and and passports that were required. We, we, we may have a little taste of that right now in our own nation as we're going through this pandemic of, of just the different power of, of counties versus cities versus states and all the various authorities. Well, that's what Nehemiah had to walk in. So the emperor gave Nehemiah higher authority than any of the other governors in that region. He needed authority not just to get there, but to actually carry out the task. And especially, it was important that, that Nehemiah had a letter to show Sanballat, who's going to be a very key figure in the story as we go on through Nehemiah, to show Sanballat that, that the king had given him greater authority than the one who stood in front of him, the governor named Sanballat. So we've got to remember this. As it relates to our own lives, we walk with authority. We've got to remember that God has given us power in the name of Jesus. That when Jesus ascended on high, he literally gave us very far-reaching promises that impact our lives day by day, but we have to take hold of them. We have to learn to walk in that authority. Think about it. He said, I will build my church. That's you and I. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He not only that, he said, I will give you keys to the kingdom. I will give you keys that will be given to you to bind things on earth as they are in heaven and loose things on earth as they are in heaven. Literally, keys give access, and that was something that God said, I've given you in your salvation. Now you have this authority that whatever we ask in his name, the Father will do for us. All authority, the word says, has been given to Jesus in heaven and on earth, and he's working in us through these incredible credentials so that we pray, we say, Our Father, We come into the throne room in the name of Jesus with a full authority to ask and to expect and to trust. Church, it's very important that we understand the authority God has given us. It's very important that we understand how to exercise that authority in the name of Jesus. Because can I tell you, whenever we start moving forward in in that process of, of restoration, in that process of recovery, Satan will try to claim authority over every area of our lives, unless we claim the higher authority through Jesus Christ. He'll try to claim authority over your mind. He'll sow so many seeds of, of discontent and, and worldly thinking in your mind, trying to overwhelm you so that you will never enter into that rebuilding process. But we can claim authority. The Bible says we have the power, in fact, to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I believe in these days we are living in, some of you are experiencing that right now. Your mind is wanting to wander to all the what ifs and fear and anxiety are coming in. Take it captive in the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is greater than those thoughts, and God has given us authority to do just that. Satan will try to come after your emotions. He wants to lead us into the, into the anxiety and the depression and all those things that will just bring us into that dark place to where now we don't see the light of our God or the light of his gospel. Can I tell you, you can break out in the name of Jesus. You can break through by the power and authority God has given us. Satan will try to attack your will. He'll try to attack your habits. He'll try to attack your words. But can I tell you something? Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And we need to take authority over the works of Satan and say, no, you have no place here. In fact, we've been given privilege. We've been given right that he does not have. Because we can come to the throne of God boldly. And we approach it by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come in the name of Jesus. with the keys of the kingdom. And our Father says, Welcome. Put this in your notes. I want you to read it. I want you to see it this week. I want you to get it into your spirit. Listen very carefully. It says this Whenever the devil tries to drop gloom over your life, whenever he tries to bring you into a spirit of heaviness, whenever he tries to disrupt, the, The work of god's spirit in your life you have the authority to drive him off your property in the name of jesus Literally, you can say it with full authority Satan the blood of jesus is against you. The word says I am free and if I resist you you have to flee Can I tell you church we have authority that has been granted by the king and there's nothing satan can do about that Why because we are the kids of the king. We have the name of jesus and we're so grateful So he's asked for time He's asked for authority, but he also asked for materials for building Why why is that so critical? <laughs> because the walls were torn down because the gates were burned up And He says I need something tangible to build with Can I tell you that god will bring to the table whatever we lack? When it comes to rebuilding and restoring our lives The holy spirit knows what we needs He knows how we were made. He knows what we've experienced and he will bring everything we need everything we lack So that we may be rebuilt completely and wholly into the glory of God. You see, Nehemiah requested timbers, but but the majority of the rebuilding, and this is really interesting, the majority of the rebuilding process was actually going to take place with the very stones that had been torn down, the very stones that had been quarried to fit just right when when the walls were built originally. The very stones that were laid around to make the gate strong, he was going to use the very rocks and stone the builders had already used that were torn down. Just as the Holy Spirit will use everything in our lives in the restoration process, I've always put it this way: God never wastes an experience. No matter what we've gone through, no matter what we've done, no matter what is coming, even if it is wrong and, and and hurtful and and broken and even even in all those things can i tell you god has the ability to, to to work them to our good when we put our trust in him he'll use our past experiences he'll use our our strength of character he'll use our personalities those things he sewed into us in creation that maybe we use for the wrong purposes before god now he will use those same things in the rebuilding process that's why we can say with truth and we can say with confidence that my god will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in christ jesus we never lack the materials to be rebuilt with and you know if that gives me hope and i hope it gives you hope because think about it you may be saying well like my life is such a mess my, my runs are much more run than the next person's run, right? We, we can just picture that and say, I, I'm such a washout. But can I tell you something? God created you in his image. Your sin has been taken away when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Even though it's taken a toll on you, our God is greater and he will restore you. Why? Because he loves you. and He wants you to experience relationship. But he also wants you to experience rulership. Finally, Nehemiah didn't ask for it, but the king knew better. He says, Nehemiah, you need some protection. I've given you authority, I've given you time, I've given you resources, but you need some protection. So he sent with him troops and the cavalry just in case opposition arose. And if, if you've read ahead, of Nehemiah, you see it, it arises, right? And you know, we're going to get more in detail on that later about how that, how that played out. But can I tell you, Sometimes we don't get a picture the way we ought to that there is much more going on around us in the heavenlies than we see here in the physical world. There there's much more happening in our rebuilding that that maybe we don't see with our human eyes We need to pray that God would let us open up our eyes to see the battle that's going on and beyond for our behalf in the heavenlies We're we're like Elisha's servant when he prayed for him open his eyes that he may see We're like Peter in prison when, when he didn't know what to do But just to worship God and pray and the heavenly hosts the angels of God the messengers of God the ones that the Bible says he will give Give his angels charge concerning you go to work you see this is a spiritual battle our rebuilding is not just physical it's not just going to the gym and trying to reshape a body it's not it's not changing a diet physically it's changing our diet spiritually greater is he that is within us greater is he that is with us than he that's in this world church can i tell you Our rebuilding is God's desire. Our restoration is his plan. And Satan may roar. He may try to sow fear. He may try to tell you it's not going to happen. But the Holy Spirit declares, and I stand tonight as as a minister of his gospel, and I declare that God says, I will get you together. I will rebuild you. I will restore you. Put your faith in him. See, guys, God wants you to know him. Relationship. But he also wants you to experience his intent from the original creation, rulership. That we would walk, not not driven by emotion, not not led by the thoughts of this world, we would walk with purpose and meaning. That everywhere we go, we'd be God's witness. To show a world there is a God that loves, a God who's creative, a God who'll restore, and a God who has a plan for us both now and for eternity. Can I encourage you to do this? I'm going to say it every week. It may, get, it may get old to some. It'll never get old to me because I know I know what it is to give my life to Christ and to be changed by him. You must be born again. If you're watching today or listening in and you've never, you've never just bowed yourself before our God, submitted to him and said to him, God, I need you. I give you my life. I surrender to you. That's where salvation comes. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he was the son of God. And he died for my sins and rose from the grave. In that moment of belief, can I tell you, your sins are forgiven. God gives you new life. And the journey of restoration begins. So in a moment we pray, just ask the Lord. Just speak to him. And let God remind you that he has loved you from the beginning of time. He's never left you. You may feel like he's been far from, you know, he's been there the whole time looking out for you, protecting you for this moment, because again, he would that none of his creation would be separated from him. And so I invite you to receive the Lord tonight. For those who are followers of Christ and you're starting to get a picture now, you're starting to see the Holy Spirit's revealing some things to you, and you know it's going to be difficult, step in, step in boldly, step in by faith, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with power, Renew that relationship. Let the streams of living water flow through you so that you fully engage and cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit. Pray with me tonight. Father, thank you. God, I'm so thankful, Lord, for your work of the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for your work of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful, Lord, that, God, you did everything for us, that we can be renewed in relationship, and God, restored, God, by the work of your Spirit. So, Lord, tonight I pray you speak to each one of us. God, let us commit our lives. Let us commit our lives, number one, to you as our Savior and Lord, but number two, let us commit our lives to this process. God, this time. God, this work, this transforming work of your Spirit. And God, I pray that you would help us to guard against comparison. I pray that you would help us to put aside the excuses that we don't have the time or the authority or the resource. For God, you've given us everything for life. And God, we rejoice in that. So, Lord, I pray today, even as we prepare ourselves to receive communion, that God, our hearts to be so intent on understanding, God, that there is more. God, there's more that you want to do in us. God, there's a greater impact you want to have through us when our lives become greater witnesses through this process. We love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you ask Jesus to... Be your Lord today. If you've invited him into your heart, can I tell you, all of heaven is rejoicing. Go back and listen to this message again. All those things I shared that happened in that moment, that's for you. It's intended for you. And then let others know what has taken place, because you know what? The Word of God is clear. We were never meant to walk this journey alone. We are truly better together as believers, and and so people will come around and help you and and help you grow in the Lord and to understand His Word. There's so many great resources out there to help you. While we're not able to gather, I invite you to go to uh, journey.org, journeyonline.org, and there you'll find a lot of ways to develop yourself as a new believer, but also recognize this hope is here we love you and we'd love to be a part of your life you know when we gather together we celebrate every time with a very special occasion that is this, we celebrate the lord's supper we do it one out of obedience to god's word is is something that the lord implemented among those that were closest to him his friends his disciples as, as a way of remembering all that the lord did for us and it's a way to remind ourselves that everything we need is really been taken care of. It's been found through him. We just have to embrace it and begin to walk in that. So today I hope you've prepared elements together in your home, some juice, some crackers, bread, because I want to walk you through this time and let it be a precious moment with you, your family, and especially with you and your Savior. You know, it starts with some elements, the, the bread and the, the wine. In fact, in, in the scripture, Paul the Apostle probably captures the moment the best when he wrote to, to the church in Corinth to actually correct some things about how they were going about celebrating the Lord's Supper. And in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, he wrote, "'For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he betrayed, took bread. And when he would given thanks, he broke it and said, "'This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.' In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, "'This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me.'" For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, in that, in that moment, he took care of everything. Their past, <laughs> he said, the blood of Jesus covers your past. Their presence, that he was... He was foretelling them what was going to take place through his body, the, the healing that would come through the, the, the brokenness he was going to experience, but also the future. In fact, that's why he said, do this until I come back, because he's coming back. So we find hope all throughout this, this emblems of the, of the of communion of the Lord's table. In fact, we begin with the bread, that Jesus took it as a, as a symbol of his body, and he, and he broke it in front of them, and he blessed it. Just as his body was going to be broken before the cross, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that it was going to happen. But it was going to happen not as some form of cruelty, but, but through that there would be healing to us. He said, in fact, by his wounds we are healed. So when we partake of the bread, we recognize there's a wholeness that God wants to enact in us. There is power in this, not in the bread, not in the emblem, but in our faith, in the body, in the blood of Jesus Christ. So take the bread, let's bless it together, and let's receive. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for, Lord, securing our future, but, Lord, working in our present. That, God, in this moment of our journey, God, you offer healing and, and, and wholeness, God, to our lives because of what Jesus endured upon his physical body. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to, to bless this. And as we receive it, we receive it by faith. And, Lord, as we receive it by faith, Lord, let, us, let our expectation arise that, God, that which you promise, will come to pass. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the bread together. He took the cup, the cup of wine. He says, This is the cup that represents the new covenant in my blood. I'm sure they were confused in that moment. I'm sure they wondered what he was talking about. We, We are on this side of the cross, we understand. What can wash our way our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Again, prophecy fulfilled. It was prophesied centuries before that, that the perfect sacrifice, the, the Lamb of God would be slain and His blood would be the, the word propitiation, the, the, the complete cleansing, the forgiveness of our sin. And that's what we celebrate when we partake of the cup, that, that we are free, that we are not bound by sin. That God has not created some method of works for us to somehow find freedom. No, that that through the blood of Jesus, we are free. So tonight, can we partake together? In fact, right now, Father, would you bless this cup? Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your great love for us. And thank you, Lord, that we partake of it together, Lord, that we are reminded. God, you did it all. God, there's not a second act. And Father, we're grateful. So, Lord, let the power of your blood work in us today. God, to remind us that, Lord, you cleanse us, you forgive us, you restore us when we come before you with a repented heart. We love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Thank you, Lord. I, I hope you never grow weary. I'm coming into those moments of just expectation. Even right now, I just feel it in my own spirit of just God reminding me of His great love and his, His power, that He's not done with us yet. And we can say things that may sound trite like the best is yet to come, but we believe that on this world and in the world to come. Why? Because He's working in us, that He may work through us, that others may know Him and know His glory. I love you guys. God bless you. Hey, next week, I'm excited. It's Mother's Day. We have a special treat for you. You're going you're to greatly, greatly enjoy your time on Mother's Day. But right now, can I invite you to do what we do every Sunday when we gather? Just open your arms right there wherever you are. You know, now it seems like a sign of social distancing, but it's more than that. It's, uh, it's opening our arms to God and saying, Lord, I want to receive this promise that's found in Romans 15, 13. And it says this, may the God of hope, Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him So that you may overflow with hope by the power of his holy spirit father. Thank you for that promise God, thank you that lord even when we are quarantined your word is not God even we are sheltered in place. God your impact is not and father I just pray that you make us creative and wise Oh god of how we can use this time to let others know of your goodness god father I thank you for your people I thank you that we are your witnesses, and I thank you, Lord, that you are working in us even now that we would see that every person we meet, every person we read about, every person we come across is somebody your son died for and somebody that you made for relationship and rulership as well. So God, let us find our part in your plan, oh God, that others may know you through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we give you praise. We give you thanks in Jesus' name, amen. I hope you have a tremendous week Let it be a week of blessing and rest. Look forward to the day we're back together again. Until then, God bless you. We love you, Hope.